0: Part Two, Chapter One of Atlantis by Gerhard Hauptmann. Translated by Adele and Thomas Seltzer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. One. A few moments later, Frederick felt the solid pier beneath his feet. His brain reeled lightly. The crowd on the pier cheered and hurrahed. In that shouting, shrieking, roaring, swaying mass of humanity, he and ingigerd who was clinging to his arm seemed exposed to the danger of another sort of drowning suddenly he found himself confronted by a little japanese or someone whom at first glance he took to be a japanese and heard him saying how do you do doctor von kammacher don't you know me how do you do doctor von kammacher don't you know me several times in rapid succession Frederick tried to recall the man to his memory. He scarcely knew who he himself was, with those cheers thundering in his ears, with hands on all sides shaking his hands, and newsboys flourishing newspapers behind him and above him and under his very nose. "'Don't you know me, Dr. von Kammacher?' the Japanese repeated, grinning. "'By Jove!' cried Frederick. "'Now I recognize you. You're Willie Snyder's. "'How do you come to be here?' "'While studying several semesters in Breslau, "'Frederick had eked out his income by tutoring a boy, "'a rather desperate case, "'whose father, a furniture manufacturer, "'paid handsomely for his son's private lessons. "'Frederick's pupil turned out to be a good-hearted chap, "'an amusing scapegrace, "'who soon became his devoted slave. "'It was this scapegrace,' now a full-grown man that Frederick recognized in the jolly Japanese. "'How I come to be here? I'll explain later,' said Willie, his nostrils dilating with the joy of seeing his teacher again. "'The first thing is, have you already engaged rooms, or shall I slip you past that damned lot of reporters? Or do you want to be interviewed?' "'For heaven's sakes, no, not for the world!' "'Then stick close to me,' shouted Willie. "'A cab is waiting for us, and we'll drive straight to our folks,' Frederick introduced Ingigerd. "'I must first see this young lady safe to a hotel, and even then I can't leave her entirely alone.' Willie instantly took in the situation, but it did not change his plans. "'Miss Holstrom can stop with us, too. She will be far more comfortable than in a hotel. The only question is, can she put up with Italian cooking?' i don't anticipate any difficulties from your macaroni and spaghetti al sugo said frederick who read ingigerd's willingness in her eyes so i'll follow your lead as you followed mine years ago all right forward march willie's joy in his booty was patent when they left the pier they saw stoss still surrounded by reporters working his jaws with incredible rapidity as he discoursed upon himself and the role he had played in the sinking of the Roland. They were about to enter their cab after their flight through the crowd, when an elderly gentleman, panting breathlessly and perspiring despite the nipping wind, stepped up to Ingegerd Halström with, "'I beg your pardon, but I come from Webster and Forster.' He took off his hat and wiped the inside band with his handkerchief. "'I was told—I was told—' "'I came in a carriage. A-, a carriage is waiting.' He stopped, too exhausted to continue. "'Miss Hallstrom cannot possibly appear this evening.' "'Oh, Miss Hallstrom looks very well.' "'See here,' said Frederick, ready to flare up. Webster and Forster's agent put his hat back on his bald pate. "'It would be the greatest mistake if Miss Hallstrom were not to dance tonight,' he said." I was commissioned to provide her with money and anything else she needed. There's my carriage. Rooms have already been engaged for her at the Astor. Frederick grew angry. I'm a physician, he snapped, and as a physician I tell you Miss Halstrom will not dance tonight, nor for several nights. Will you make good to Miss Halstrom her financial loss? What I shall do in regard to that is neither your nor Webster and Forster's business. Frederick thought he had disposed of the matter, but the agent became offensive. "'Who are you, sir? My dealings are with Miss Holstrom exclusively. What right have you to mix in this affair?' "'I don't think I could dance tonight,' Ingegerd interposed. "'You will lose that feeling as soon as you step on the stage. "'The manager's wife gave me a letter for you. "'Her maid is at the Astor with everything you need. "'She is entirely at your disposal.' "'Our Petronilla is a jewel, too,' Willie Snyders interjected. "'If you tell her what you need, Miss Halstrom, she'll have it for you in five minutes.' With the insistence of a seducer, he helped Ingigerd into the cab. "'Very well, then,' said the agent emphatically. "'You are breaking a contract, and I warn you of the consequences. I will have to ask you for your address.' Willie Snyders shouted a number on 107th Street. The agent jotted it down in his notebook. The cab, with Ingigerd, Frederick, and Willie in it, was transported from Hoboken to New York in the usual way, jammed in between other carriages and trucks on the ferry boat. A newsboy on the ferry handed into the cab a copy of The Sun, with whole columns already describing the disaster. The authors of the information were probably the health officers and Captain Boutor. When Willie Snyders began to speak of the Roland, Frederick checked him with a nod toward Ingigerd, but she had of herself noticed the report in the paper, and asked if they had been the first to bring the news to New York. "'The Roland was overdue more than three days,' Willie explained. "'We were already beginning to be alarmed. Finally the passenger list from Bremen was published, and soon after your name too, Dr. von Kammacher, appeared in the newspapers,' your father in the meantime having cabled that you left Paris to catch the Roland at Southampton. I never lost faith that nothing but the wretched weather was delaying you, and I inquired at the steamship company's office every day. It was there that I learned of the sinking of the Roland and the arrival of the Hamburg with the first rescued passengers on board, with you among them. Noticing Ingigerd's sudden pallor, "'Willie added vivaciously, with apparent conviction, "'a lot of others must surely have been rescued.' "'The amount of traffic, as indicated by an endless number of ferry-boats, "'tugs, and steamers of every sort, was immense. "'The ferry-boats, black with people, resembled floating towers of babel, "'above which rose an iron, something like a pump-handle, "'seesawing up and down with the invisible pistons.' When the boat lay fast in the slip, there was a great thundering as the vehicles all began to move at the same time to the accompaniment of a tramping mass of humanity. This city, Frederick thought, is obsessed by a craze for money-making. The idea was suggested to him chiefly by the advertisements staring on all sides, those shrill, overspiced, overcharged asseverations, compared with which the same thing in Europe was delicate as a violet, innocent as a newborn babe. Wherever he turned his eyes, gigantic placards glared at him, gigantic letters, gigantic garishly-coloured pictures, gigantic fingers and hands pointing to something. Twenty negroes carrying billboards, a carriage drawn by twelve horses, harnessed like circus horses, passed by. It was a shrieking, greedy war of competition, waged with every conceivable means, a wild, shameless orgy of acquisitiveness, but for that very reason not lacking in a certain greatness. There was no hypocrisy about it. It was honest in its outspokenness. The cab stopped at a telegraph office, and Frederick cabled to his father, I am safe, sound, and well. Ingigerd, to her mother in Paris, I am safe, papa's fate uncertain. While Ingigerd was writing, Frederick took the chance to tell Willie Snyders that she had probably lost her father in the wreck. Several times, newsboys thrust a paper under Frederick's nose, calling out the great sensation, all about the sinking of the Roland. All about the sinking of the Roland. In large, catching headlines he read, The Roland leaves Bremen. Slight accident compels her to return. Roland starts on trip again. Constant storms. Dead man on board. Nine hundred drowned. Heroic conduct of a servant girl. Dr. Frederick von Kamacher performs miracles of bravery. Frederick started, reflected, but could not recall anything of the sort. Child dies in lifeboat. Captain Butor of the Hamburg sights castaways. Report of survivors. Arthur Stoss, champion, armless marksman, helped into lifeboat by faithful valet, and so on. It was an invaluable supply of fresh, sensational, gratuitously obtained material— to be served for a week in generous portions to readers in both the old and the new worlds. The cab rolled up Broadway, that main thoroughfare of New York stretching along for miles, with two apparently unbroken chains of street cars moving by each other. At that time the cars were propelled by an endless cable traveling in a conduit under the roadway. The traffic all along Broadway was enormous and the contrast was the more surprising when the cab, after traversing another lively street, turned into a deserted-looking side-street where almost country-like quiet prevailed. The cab came to a halt, and Willie Snyders helped Ingegert out. The travelers found themselves in front of a low one-family house with a flight of outside steps, differing in no wise from the other houses on the block, which were all built on the same plan, of exactly the same height, of exactly the same width, and with absolute similarity of detail. Frederick had observed such architectural monotony only in working men's houses in Germany, while here it was the mark of a fairly aristocratic section. Twilight had already fallen when Frederick and Ingegerd at length found privacy in their rooms. The rooms, plainly furnished and scrupulously clean, were lighted by electricity and heated from a furnace in the cellar, and the floors were not laid with wood, but paved with red bricks. Petronilla, the old Italian housekeeper, took Ingigerd in charge, looking after the smallest of her wants with touching motherliness. The two said what was necessary to say in a mixture of Italian and English. After showing Ingigerd to her room and seeing that she was provided with everything, Petronilla stepped out into the hall to call a maid, who was working in another part of the house. Frederick heard her and put his head out of the door to inquire after Ingigerd. The signorina dropped on the couch without undressing and fell right asleep, she said. Frederick, feeling somewhat uneasy, went with Petronilla to look after Ingigerd." and found that she had merely succumbed to a leaden sleep. Her constitution, after weeks of overexertion and abuse, was asserting its rights. Petronilla and the maid undressed her and put her to bed, all unconscious, though now and then opening wide her shimmering sea-green eyes. End of section 22